two men in a bathhouse together, mm. not doing anything, but talking about their day. <laughs> I like the bong at the end mm. of that. I don't know. Are you a, a deaf poetry jam kind of a spoken word slam poetry guy? N- no, I can't say that I am. You, sir? Not really. No, mm. I don't. I don't listen to much poetry. I don't frequent clubs with uh, poets and the like. I bet that would be a cool experience, though. Maybe mm. if you went to the right one, I feel like you could have a lot of pretentious assholes. Mm. If you went to the wrong one. I was going to say, if you ever decide to participate in one, you have to let me be a bongo guy. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, just... Boom, 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 boom. I don't like to wash on Sundays because my ass gets itchy from the soap. A baby, come on over and wash my dishes. Misogyny in the morning! <laughs> See, I feel like though I've seen worse, like I, yeah, because I've seen them, uh, like the slam poetry on YouTube before, mm. and some of them were really mm. bad. No, I asked you this because you're more versed in the water poetry than I am. Is there any like humor poetry? Humor poetry? I think you're referring to limericks. Oh, is that what those are? Yeah, no. I guess like English limericks. I know the word. I know when I was a kid, I had a funny poetry book, and one of the poems in it was called My Green Weenie. <laughs> it was, uh... Can you remember it? Can you recite it now honestly, for the class? I've been looking online for a long time trying to find that book, and I do not remember the name or anything about it, but it was illustrated, and it was pretty cool. But I... I alas, you tell me if you just go into Google and like type in, like, Poetry My Green Willie. Believe it or not, a <laughs> no, lot, a lot of things come, come up. up before that. But not the one I was looking for. <laughs> Apparently that's a popular topic. I mean, Eminem did a song called My Green Weenie, I think. Oh, hmm. Uh, yeah, as far as uh, the old slam poetry, though, I just, I don't get it. <laughs> Maybe I, uh, I'm not white enough. I don't know. Don't you have to be, like, super... Super woke now to do slam poetry. Oh, I have no idea. Like you have to go up there. See, I figured doing like, if you were white doing slam poetry or like you know that kind of stuff, you'd be culture appropriating like somebody. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I figured mean, you'd be taking that from somebody else, and you couldn't do that anymore because of your color. Yeah, but didn't poet like slam poetry and like poetry reading? really take off with the beatniks of the 60s mm-hmm. like the uh like Jack Kerouac's group well what were they called the uh they were called beatniks i mean they were beatniks but that's not what they went by they were uh uh i'm drinking too many gigantic beers <laughs> uh, i can't, can't think of it i wish i could have pictures accompanying the podcast like when we get in the future and have the technology where you can implant uh images into people's brain for oh, the podcast yeah. that'd be awesome they can see how big my beer is cuz it is Way too big, and I've had many of them. But, um, yeah, anyway, I, f- I forget what they were called, but they were, uh, I think they kind of started the whole poetry circle nonsense, hmm. where you just talk about things and feelings, and we're going to learn about that here soon, after these commercial br- <laughs> messages. <laughs> I wish we had commercial messages, we get some money. <laughs> I'm telling you, the movies is just make our own fake, me- our own fake commercials so people think that oh hey these guys are doing well let's see if they we can get an ad with them do you get that not so fresh feeling spencer all the time does it itch 
Yes. And burn when you pee. <laughs> then what you need is Scrotacil. <laughs> Made by the, from the makers of Vagisil, Scrotacil. When, it is. <laughs> when you say that, I assume uh, uh, like the, 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 the toe fungus guy. <laughs> he just jumps down your urethra, scrubbing stuff. <laughs> Topical cream for your sack. When you're a sack tax back, what you want is scrotosil. Gets deep in the cre- in the creases and the wrinkles, scrubs right out. Fungus got you down, scrotosil. Do you got the jock itch? Can't go a squat session without itching, scrotosil. No, this is not a thing. This needs to be a thing. I'm sure it is somewhere. How mad will you be in like three months when this is like an SNL skit? Yeah, I'm going to be very mad because I know they listen to this podcast because four of our opening bits have become an SNL skit. Really? No. <laughs> I was going to say no. No way. How do you know? <laughs> you don't even remember the opening bits we do. Or have I did not watch Saturday Night Live in forever to even know what they were? You see? <laughs> Just wait until you see Woody Harrelson on Saturday Night Live doing a scrotosol ad. You're going to be so upset. I will be too. What about that's when the the uh, Eddie Murphy whenever he comes on? Then what about that's his? Oh fuck! Yeah, I'll be upset. Hey there, cool cats. You are listening to the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast, Poetry Edition. I'm your host, Caleb Easy Listening James. <laughs> With me today is my co-host, the funkiest man in the room, Spencer, the Cairo Cool Daddy <laughs> Church. Cool cat. It's got to be cool cat. I want yeah. cool daddy. Oh, <laughs> daddy-o, I screwed up. <laughs> and that shows how cool we are. The Cairo cool cat. That yeah. would have been all right. Yeah. That would have been all right. But now you're cool daddy, so I yeah. can't take it back. Because I, I was thinking of Stephen King, Dr. Sleep, Crow Daddy. Yeah. Fucking up because I'm thinking about the movie. Yeah. Drinking way too much shitty Heineken. <laughs> it's just it's a bad time. But you know what, you guys? We should talk like this the whole episode. I'm not actually snapping on purpose. Yeah. I'm just having an episode. <laughs> nah, nah. <laughs> you, you just developed a new dick. <laughs> Today's episode is about poetry, though. And you know what it's about, Spencer? Do you want to know? Poetry? Yes. But (laughs) more specifically, how to write poetry. Hmm. Because we go on and on about how you have never written poetry that I know of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Besides your fucking humorous limericks. Yeah. (laughs) No. No. And I've written poetry, but I'm not... I just can't get into it, man. You know, it just... uh, Maybe if the mood strikes me and I get a little whimsical, but... I never remember actually learning the rules of how to write yeah. poetry. I just kind of just think, hey, it rhymes. That works. Yeah. And uh, apparently that's not how you do it anymore. Modern poetry that I bitch about all the time doesn't usually not rhyme. And it's just about something or other. So we're going to find out. What makes poetry? And I believe this article that I found is from Seton Hill. What is that? Uh, it just says Tunhill. It's the EDU, so it's got to be a school, but it does not give a name. I'm going to go ahead and... Because I heard of Seton Hall. It can't be Seton Hill. What the fuck, Spencer? I don't know, man. Put. Hold on. Let me let me click on stuff. 
It is Seton Hill. Where the fuck is Seton Hill at? Well, whatever. It's SetonHill.edu. So whatever school that is, they have a poetry writing hacks. Ten tips on how to write a poem. I will link this in the description so you can uh, better peruse. Because by the time me and Spencer get to some of these finer points, we're probably going to be drunk. So, Which isn't really different from any other episode, I guess. Except for we're not going to be all hide up on crack. Yeah. I wish crack was still popular. I'd rather crackheads run around because they at least did shit like clean your windshield <laughs> and these fucking heroin addicts that just pass out all the time and nod off and wreck and cause all kinds of calamities. At least the crackheads were useful if you wanted. Yeah. Like, hey, man, you want these cheeseburgers? Yeah, I'm kind of hungry. Sure, I'll go with these cheeseburgers that you stole. <laughs> all right, so if you are writing a poem because you want to capture a feeling that you experienced, then you don't need these tips. Just write whatever feels right. Well, that seems like the first tip, right? Just write what feels right. Yeah, daddy Write it. Write it hard and fast and easy flow. I feel like I should be wearing like a beret or something. Well, I'm going to have Mindy take a picture of us for the poetry episode. And I got fancy hats. Okay. You have to wear my Freddy Krueger hat because it's a fedora. All right. I like fedoras. And I have uh, one of them old uh, cabbie hats. So oh, I, okay. I'll put that on. So, folks, check out Instagram. A week ago, because by the time this post, that's the only thing about this not posting the week of, yeah. you know? But that means we're ahead of the game. Only you experience the feeling that you want to express, so only you will know whether your poem succeeds. If, however, your goal is to communicate with a reader, drawing on the established conventions of a literary genre, conventions that will be familiar to the experienced reader, to generate an emotional response in your reader, then simply writing what feels right to you won't be enough. Damn, that's a statement. There it is. It seems like a statement to me because I've been drinking, so maybe it's not. But these tips will help you make an important transition away from writing poetry to celebrate, commemorate, or capture your own feelings, in which case you, the poet, are the center of the poem's universe, towards writing poetry in order to generate feelings in your reader, in which case the poem exists entirely to serve the reader. I am already done with poetry. (laughs) I don't... I'm trying to think on, like, the poetry I've written for people. I think I usually have the reader in mind. It's not necessarily writing poetry for me. But I, when I started writing poetry when I was younger, which is when I took it more seriously, because I feel like a lot of writers kind of start with poetry, it was more for me. It wasn't even necessarily for people to read. But when you get older and more established, it's kind of for the reader, right? Yeah. So I guess there's different rules to the game. Tip number one, know your goal, which also goes with writing in general, I would say. If you don't know where you're going, how can you get there? You need to know what you are trying to accomplish before you begin any project. Writing a poem is no exception. Before you begin, ask yourself what you want your poem to do. Do you want your poem to explore a personal experience, protest the social injustice, describe the beauty of nature, or play with language in a certain way? Once you know the goal of your poem, you can conform your writing to that goal. Take each main element in your poem and make it serve the main purpose of the poem. I, uh, like, I've, I've definitely written nature po- poetry, and a lot of the poetry of, like, Lord Byron and certain things like that were about nature. And then, um, you know, obviously I'm a big Edgar Allan Poe fan. That's where, yeah. like, my main poetry influences came from growing up. 
So he writes actually a lot about like, you know, Annabelle Lee, which is a woman or the Raven, which is actually a story. So that would be more of a, see that that's not even on this list because they have, you know, play with the language, which is what I feel a lot of modern poetry is, is just kind of playing with the language and just trying to get things to flow a certain way. And I, I, I can't. To take from our British friends, I can't be arsed with that. <laughs> I don't. I don't give a hoot. Um, and then like the social injustices, I, I'm not about. Then again, like Maya Angelou's "Why the Caged Bird Sings" is one of my favorite poems of all time. So I can, I, I if it's like that, okay. I guess it just depends on the skill of the poet and what they're trying to convey. Um, but there's there's a maybe I just like horror poetry. Yeah. Have you read any Edgar Allan Poe poetry besides like The Raven? No, I don't know. Well, we gotta get, fucking get on it, man. I should have had you read a bunch of poetry before this. Yeah, you probably should have. I've been getting into uh, Dylan Thomas' collection, and I'm like halfway through it, and uh, it's kind of hard because he's Welsh, so mm. there's a lot of Welshness in his poetry that I don't. It does. It kind of falls on like yeah. deaf ears, I guess. I don't really understand some of it, but. Even, like, some of Poe's stuff, I didn't understand what was happening exactly. Now, do you think that has just more to do with, like... The dated language. Yeah, and, and stuff like that. With Poe, yes. Dylan Thompson, Dylan Thomas was from the 50s. Um, maybe he died in the 50s. But either way, he was more modern, so I should, uh, I should probably better understand his work. But I just, I, I don't know. Again, he did, like, a lot of nature stuff, too, and kind of, uh... You know, stuff with, like, dying and things like that, so it's hard to say. Tip number two, avoid cliches. Again, kind of going with normal fiction. Yeah. Writing. Stephen Minot. Minot? McNaught. Stephen yeah. McNaught. Minot. I wonder how big his ass is. <laughs> Not Minot. <laughs> Stephen Minot. <laughs> My anaconda don't want... No. I fucking hated that she stole that song. It made me so mad. Stephen Minot defines a cliche as a metaphor or simile that has become so familiar from overuse that the vehicle no longer contributes any meaning what, whatever to the tenor. It provides neither the vividness of a fresh metaphor nor the strength of a single unmodified word. The word is also used to describe overused but non-metaphorical expressions such as tried and true and each and every. Three genres, the, I don't know. Cliché also describes other overused literary elements. Mouth is dry. You should have some more of your big beer. That's what's making it dry. <laughs> Fucking Heineken. Just drink more. Drink more. Just keep drinking it. I got a whole keg of it. I'll just keep drinking the keg. Cliché also describes other overused literary elements. Familiar plot patterns and stock characters are clichés on a big scale. Clichés can be overused themes, character types, or plots. For example, the Lone Ranger cowboy is a cliché because... It has been used so many times that people no longer find it original. A work full of cliches is like a plate of old food. Unappetizing. I feel like these young kids, though, might not know the cliches. Yeah. Because they don't read because they are all about that social media. And I, well, I don't know how it plays with, like, uh, um, poetry, but, like, at least in, like, normal fiction, um, like, the, the cliche is, like, that's like a fun thing or a challenge to try to, you know, do it, but do it in a, you know, in a different and interesting way. But I don't know how that works 
in poetry, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that, that, like, I think it'd be harder to do. Cliches work against original communication. People value creative talent. They want to see work that rises above the norm. When they see a work without cliches, they know the writer has worked his or her tail off doing whatever it takes to be original. When they see a work full to the brim with cliches, they feel that the writer is not showing them anything above the ordinary. In case you had noticed, this paragraph is chock full of cliches. I'll bet you were bored to tears. I'm drunk, so I didn't notice. Cliches, dull meaning, because cliched writing sounds so familiar. But, all right, we get it. Don't fucking write cliches. And you're... Um, yeah, like, what exactly would you consider cliche writing in poetry, though? I guess maybe using imagery that's been used fucking thousand times, like, uh, cascading waterfalls and shit. Yeah. But, uh... I don't know. That's something I would have to re- research. But I think if it was a cliche at this point, you would kind of know. I mean, if if you when you're writing poetry specifically, if you've heard it before, you probably wouldn't put it in your poem, right? You would think, unless it was done purposeful, like you're trying to, you know, pay homage to whoever originally, like I said, like a Lord Byron or something. Maybe you're trying to pay homage to Lord Byron, so you would throw a specific thing he used in one of his poems that was famous or something. But as far as, like, just cliches, I feel like, I mean, in normal writing, I get it, like, fiction writing, because there's just a lot of sayings people use. Or, you know, you like he hits you like a, you know, a ton of bricks or something. That's kind of dead. But, again, I feel like the readers ignore that. I mean, unless you really, like, your all your writing's full of that shit. But for the most part, I feel like the readers, if it's just every once in a while you throw in, you know, hit like a Mack truck, yeah. you're probably not going to, you just, you know, okay, you hit hard. You just go on. You don't really dwell on that. So I don't know how in poetry, I think in poetry that would, uh, it would stick out more. So most poets probably would avoid that. Well, then too, because you figure in po- po- poetry, you have less real estate, like, you know what I mean? In a book, or a short yeah, story, even. Yeah, there's a lot of fucking exposition dialogue and there's a lot of things you can use um and you might not even realize it but poetry like you said it's very short it's to the point so it's kind of hard to use cliches i would think how to improve a cliche i will take the cliche as busy as a bee and show how you can express the same idea without cliche again who's putting fucking busy as a bee in a poem (laughs) yeah i don't uh, know how that would fit in anywhere. I mean, I get what he's trying to say. Well, you know, let's go on. Also, I don't know. Maybe it's a lady author. It didn't say who the author of this article was. So apologies to that person. Determine what the cliched phrase is trying to say. In this case, I can see that busy as a bee is a way to describe the state of being busy. Really? Like, who would have thunkin'? my fucking volume. Yet, 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 tacos. We need fancy mics, Spencer. Huh? We need fancier mics. That's oh, what it is. Oh, yeah. We need our mics to, like, hang from the ceiling and. Yeah. Hanging low, so, sweet so, chariot. So poof these walls a little bit. So they can't hear them scream. <laughs> when I get my own fancy house that I own and not rent. Maybe that'll be the case. What are you gonna do with like with without a, a yard full of needles? I don't know. Yeah, when I don't live next to a dope clinic, I don't know. That'd be that'd be uh, we'll, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. <laughs> like I can walk in my yard barefoot and not worry about catching any diseases. No hepatitis <laughs> for Caleb. Look how fancy I am. <laughs> 
Number two, think of an original way to describe what the cliche is trying to describe. For this cliche, I started by thinking about busyness. I asked myself the question, what things are associated with being busy? I came up with college, my friend Jessica, corporation bosses, old ladies making quilts and canning goods, and a computer fiddlers fiddling from this list. What? I I selected a thing that is not as often used in association with busyness, violins. Three, create a phrase using the non-cliched way of description. I took my object associated with busyness and turned it into a phrase. I feel like a bow fiddling an Irish reel. Okay. This phrase What's can that be- mean? He's going to explain. Okay. So I feel like a bow fiddling an Irish reel. This phrase communicates the idea of busyness much better than the worn out familiar cliche. The reader's mind can picture the insane fury of the bow on the violin and know that the poet is talking about a very frenzied sort of busyness. In fact, those readers who know what an Irish reel sounds like may even get a laugh out of this fresh way to describe busyness. That is my problem with poetry in a nutshell. When I read that, it doesn't come across as super busy to me. <laughs> when I read, uh, I feel like a bow fiddling in Irish reel. I'm just like, he just feels like somebody making music. Like what? Yeah, like, like, what I don't what, feel what, like what, exactly. What is that? Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't feel. Well, you know, like the bow. Of I a, get. Yeah, but I'm just saying. I just. I don't. That doesn't make me think of busyness. Like it doesn't make. Ah, oh, he's super busy because he's fucking. Like it just. If anything, I would think. Oh, well, he's like his ass is really chapped from the friction. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just not that intelligent. That's possible. I mean, we do host this program. All right. Number three. Tip number three. Avoid sentimentality. Sentimentality is dominated by a blunt appeal to the emotions of pity and love. Popular subjects are puppies, grandparents, and young lovers. When readers have the feeling that emotions like rage or indignation have been pushed artificially for their own sake, they will not take the poem seriously. Minot says that the problem with sentimentality is that it distracts from the literary quality of your work. If your poetry is mushy or teary-eyed, your readers may openly rebel against your effort to invoke emotional responses in them. If that happens, they will stop thinking about the issues you want to raise and will instead spend their energy trying to control their own gag reflexes. I know for a fact that a lot of people, especially somewhat non-readers, actually prefer things like what they just said don't do. Like the mushy stuff or things that personally, you know, try to invoke emotion. Because, again, a lot of, especially nowadays, a lot of readers don't get the whole, you know, busyness, like the bow on the violin. Like, they don't understand that. What is that ruckus? Am I hearing a ruckus? Oh, there it is. How about would you be if you went and you locked the door real quick? She'd be steaming. Tip number four, use images. Be a painter in words, says UWEC English professor Amaretta, poet and songwriter Peg Lauber. She says poetry should stimulate six senses. Sight, hearing, smell, touch, taste, kinesiology, which is motion. Example, sunlight varnishes, magnolia branches, crimson sight. Vacuum cleaners whir and hum startles my ferret. What? Vacuum cleaners whir and hum startles my ferret. Penguins lumber to their nest. Lauber advises her students to produce fresh, striking images. Be a camera. Make the reader be there with the poet, speaker, narrator. Okay. So, yeah. Just, again, that goes kind of with regular writing, too. Tip number five. Use metaphor and simile. Use metaphor and simile to bring imagery and concrete words into your writing. 
Metaphor. A metaphor is a statement that pretends one thing is really something else. Example, the lead singer is an elusive salamander. Ooh, he's squiggly. He's slimy, kind of. Had to get a hold of. This phrase does not mean that the lead singer is literally a salamander. Rather, it takes an abstract characteristic of a salamander elusiveness and projects it onto the person. By using metaphor to describe the lead singer, the poet creates a much more vivid picture of him, her, than in the poet, but simply said the lead singer's voice is hard to pick out. Yes. Now, a simile, which is what I always confuse a metaphor for, because a simile is like when I said, you know, he hits like a Mack truck. It's the like Mack truck. That's a simile. I always say, oh, that's that's the metaphor. No, that's, that's a simile. A simile is a statement where you say one object is similar to another object. Similes use words like or as. Example, he was curious as a caterpillar, or he was curious like a caterpillar. This phrase takes one quality of a caterpillar and projects it onto a person. It, yeah, okay, we get it. So you use some metaphors and some similes in your poetry, and it'll come out just dandy. Tip number six, use concrete words instead of abstract words. Concrete words describe things that people experience with their senses. Orange, warm, cat. A person can see... (laughs) Garfield? Yeah. (laughs) Lasagna? A person can see orange, feel warm, or hear a cat. Poets use concrete words to help the reader get a picture of what the poem is talking about. When the reader has a picture of what the poem is talking about, he or she can better understand what the poet is talking about. Abstract words refer to concepts or feelings, like liberty, happy, love. Liberty is a concept, happy is a feeling, and no one can agree on whether love is a feeling, a concept, or an action. A person can't see, touch, or taste any of these things. As a result, when used in poetry, these words might simply fly over the reader's head without triggering any sensory response. Further, liberty, happy, and love can mean different things to different people. Therefore, if the poet uses such a word, the reader may take a different meaning from it than the poet intended. Change abstract words into concrete words. To avoid problems caused by using abstract words, use concrete words. Example, she felt happy. Oh, God, my head's melting. <laughs> Remember, this, this episode was your idea. This, this topic was you was like, hey, let's do that. I was like, hey, you know, man. What we have a lot of poets and want to be poets that follow us, Spencer. And they say, Caleb, can you do an episode about poetry? Oh, please uh, do an episode about poetry. I'll suck your dick if you do an episode about Whoa, easy there. Easy, Fred. Easy. <laughs> easy, man. We'll do it. We'll do it. You don't got to go that far. I think he just like do it. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. It's, you don't got to threaten me with it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> At least listen to the episode first. You might not want to afterwards. <laughs> just ask nicely. Um. <laughs> anyway, example. She felt happy. This line uses the abstract word happy to improve this line. Change the abstract word to a concrete image. One way to achieve this is to think of an object or a scene that evokes feelings of happiness. To represent the happy feelings. Improvement. Her smile spread like red tint on ripening tomatoes. Oh my god. I'm skipping all that. I get it, man. Just use some colorful language. Again, I feel like this is kind of simple. Like, when you're writing poetry, would you just say, oh, she's f- she felt happy? No, you never do that. Who would do that? 
Somebody that shouldn't be writing poetry, probably. I mean, I'd probably do that. She felt happy. And then she felt crappy. And then she punched that guy named Scrappy. <laughs> no, she felt happy. She felt crappy. She got laughy. The end. That's my poetry jam. You're welcome. Tip number seven. Communicate theme. Poetry always has a theme. Theme is not just a topic, but an idea with an opinion. Topic. The Vietnam War. This is not a theme. It is only a subject. It is just an event. There are no ideas, opinions, or statements about life or wisdom contained in this sentence. Theme. History shows that despite our claims to be peace-loving, unfortunately, each person secretly dreams of gaining glory through conflict. This is a theme. It is not just an event, but a statement about an event. Alright. I think that this also goes back to fiction writing because you need to be able to distinguish a theme from an event. A lot of pair, like a lot or, of things, similar similarities, and it seems what a shocker when it comes to any kind of writing. Yeah. The, all the same basic rules apply. You need your topic and your themes. Oh boy! Tip number eight: subvert the ordinary. Poets strengthen the ability to see what other people see every day in a new way. You don't have to be special or a literary genius to write good poems. All you have to do is take an ordinary object, place, person, or idea, and come up with a new perception of it. Example, people ride the bus every day. Boring. That's a boring thing to talk about. But if you use it right, it could be extraordinary. Let's find out. What about if it was a magic school bus? We're getting there. Poet interpretation. A poet looks at the people on the bus and imagines scenes from their lives. A poet sees a 60-year-old woman and imagines a grandmother who runs marathons. See, I would have said grandma who's a sex worker because I'm a deviant. (laughs) (laughs) Going to her next client. She don't know when to give up the business. She's already over the hill, but she still gets paid. I'm going to say, if you're getting paid for it, people, they still want it. She's not getting paid nearly as much as she once did, but she does get some money and she she's not even in about the money at this point. Yeah. It's just about wanting to feel needed yeah. and wanting to feel the that somebody wants you. Maybe she's addicted to the lifestyle. Yeah. Maybe she's just on drugs. Yeah. yeah. That's the inner poet of us, Spencer. Yeah. See, we got it. We know yeah. how to do it. Yeah. Or or maybe she runs marathons, according to this dry bloke. Because that's exciting. Yeah. A poet sees a two-year-old boy and imagines him painting with a ruby nail polish on the toilet seat and his mother struggling to not respond in anger. That's gross. You can't use it. You have to throw away the nail polish because it's been on the toilet seat. Or do you throw away the kid? Yeah. Wait, no, you can't throw away the kid. Can you? I mean, some people do. <laughs> I mean, isn't that why they have fire stations? They <laughs> <laughs> just chop them up. They recycle them that somebody else have. Oh gosh, that took a dark twist. But yeah, that's true. <sighs> anyway, take the ordinary and turn it on its head. I think we did a good job of that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's where we would shine. Yeah, is taking the ordinary and turning it into. I mean, yeah, if a grandmother prostitute and an orphan. <laughs> I mean, if anybody's read any of our work, I think that's something we do. But now you just got to do it in poetry form. <laughs> Tip number nine, rhyme with extreme caution. Oh, shit, son. Oh, shit, son. We're about to learn something now. So I wonder how with, like, Buster Rhymes, what his poetry would be like. Would he, you know, would he... Break your motherfucking neck! (laughs) Rhyme and meter. The pattern of stressed and unstressed words can be dangerous if used the wrong way. Remember sing-song nursery rhymes? 
If you choose a rhyme scheme that makes your poem sound sing-song, it will distract from the quality of your poem. Will it now? Because I believe some of the Dylan Thomas poetry I listened to on YouTube was kind of a sing-song poet. And I was like, oh, because when you read it, I'm like, I don't understand this, like why it's so great. But then when you listen to it, you're like, oh, there's a melody that like this is supposed to be. It, it's, a, it's like kind of just reading the lyrics to the song. Yeah. You're like, OK, like I get it. But then once you hear it, it's completely different. I think that's the problem with some of modern poetry is it doesn't have any kind of rhythm to it. I could be clearly wrong, but that's just the way I feel. I recommend that beginning poets stick to free verse. It is hard enough to compose a poem without dealing with the intricacies of rhyme and meter. If you feel ready to create a rhyme... See, I feel like it would be easier to start off writing poetry with kind of a rhyme scheme in place. Like a maybe listen to some like Bob Dylan or something and like think of specific ways to rhyme because I feel like that would get you in a flow better. Yeah, and you, I mean, especially for uh, to just try and out to, to put your feet a little bit. You kind of mm-hmm. have that little bit of a crutch to kind of, you know, ease you along until you can maybe become better at it. And I we'll mean, had to, to use that. After all, isn't like most poetry, like popular poetry is kind of, it almost makes you think of like music, right? Like when I yeah, think kinda. of you know like when I think of a lot of music that is poetry that's what I would gravitate towards. I mean towards. that's what a lot of musicians say that they are poets. Yeah. yeah. I mean that's what they say, but yeah, Lady Gaga and others <laughs> that are famous. And... At least they're not uh, lyrical wordsmiths. That there's a few lyrical wordsmiths I know, but not many. Mm-hmm. And the ones that are lyrical wordsmiths, I never know what they're talking about. Tip number 10, revise, revise, revise. I read that because that's a very boring process. I read it like that. (laughs) I could have upbeat, revise, revise, revise. The first completed draft of your poem is only the beginning. Poets often go through several drafts of a poem before considering the work done. That is true. I do that as well with my poetry. I, I feel like even though that it's shorter, that it almost would take just as long as it would maybe take to write like a short story just because of like, like we were saying, when you have such less ground, so everything yeah. has to really hit. Yeah, and has to fit and have its place and, and all that. And jazz. also when it comes to poetry, if you're doing rhyming poetry, you have to, you're, you're constantly thinking, oh, if I say it, did, like, is there one or two words too long in the, like, to make, to break up the flow of it? Does this rhyme just the way I want it to rhyme? Like, you want things to hit the way yeah. they do in your mind. It, it's, it's actually pretty tough. Anyway, to revise, put your poem away for a few days and then come back to it. That's good with all writing, in my opinion. When you reread it, does anything seem confusing? Hard to follow? Do you see anything that needs improvement that you overlooked the first time? Often, when you are in, the act of writing, you may leave out important details because you are so familiar with the topic. Rereading a poem helps you to see it from the outsider's perspective of a reader. Also, show your poem to others and ask for criticism. Don't be content with a response like, that's a nice poem. You won't learn anything from I'm that sure kind of that, response. That, I'm sure how that's, that's how that guy wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> Is that slack jaw just... <laughs> Did you like that? Yeah, you did a good job, Caleb. That's a nice poem. <laughs> That's how I think when somebody would say that to me. I would just immediately want to fucking boof him in the face. (laughs) 
Instead, find people who tell you specific things you need to improve in your work. And then it just abruptly ends. So, great article. (laughs) (laughs) Just ended with a bunch of sources. Uh, So, what did you take away from that besides the fact that it seems poetry is pretty much just fiction writing by the rhyming form? That's kind of it, really. I mean, I can't really say that I... The, the amount of knowledge that I've gained of knowing about poetry after this, I don't know, has grown that much. Yeah, um, I hope our readers could take something away from this, but I I was kind of honestly just hoping it would explain modern poetry to me. I get classic poetry. It rhymes. It usually has like the sing-song style that they don't like. It usually has a melody or a flow or a rhythm. But modern poetry, a lot of the times, like I said, it's just fucking word salad. I don't understand. <laughs> like, even, like, the fucking slam poetry usually, like, has notes they hit, you know. Becca was in her room alone, and then she died. Like, it hits. Like, something hits. But when it comes to, like, a lot of fucking modern poetry, I'm just like, this sucks. Maybe next time we, we uh, tackle the poetry subject, maybe... Next time we would just dive into a certain kind of like you were talking about like modern poetry like you know what I mean. You know what? Let me just bring up any random modern poem. And then like you know later down the line we can talk about like you know the old kind of poems and you know your horror poems that you like so much and yeah those because we're gonna need episode ideas down the line so I'm right. sure we're gonna breach this topic more than once. Yeah, we probably should. What what is this? Maybe when we actually learn something. So like 15 years from now. Yes. Okay, here is a popular modern poem, Spencer. The number one I just picked on a random list. It's called The Buttons Down Life. As a hashtag. The Button Down Life. I can't live the button down life like you. I want it all. The terrifying lows, the dizzying height, the dizzying... I already fucked it up. I can't fuck it up. I have to read it properly or we won't understand what it's about. I can't live the button-down life like you. I want it all. The terrifying lows, the dizzying highs, the creamy middles. Sure, I might offend a few of the blue noses with my cocky stride and musky odors. Oh, no. Oh, I'll never be the darling of the so-called city fathers who cluck their tongues, stroke their beards, and talk about what's to be done with this Homer Simpson. The end. What? <laughs> that's the end? <laughs> See, that's why I don't like modern poetry. Like, See, like, I, I understand. I do. I get what it was saying. Yeah. I get it about, you know, you don't want to live the button-down life. Well, come on, that was stupid. And, like, and like the beginning of it, I was kind of like, okay, like, I get it. And then, you know, the must and the stuff, like, okay. And then just like, why we went, what about Homer Simpson now? Here, maybe this one will be uh, a little better. <laughs> what Rome is about. What Rome is about. Why should Caesar get to stomp around? Was that fucking, yeah, that's Gretchen Wiener from Mean, mean Girls. This is bogus. I'm reading uh, a bogus article. Fucking Gretchen Wieners from goddamn. It wasn't Gretchen Wieners. It was somebody made a poem from that stupid thing about her. Have you ever seen Mean Girls? I was like forever fucking. She makes a tirade about Caesar and she's using some kind of metaphor that Caesar is the main Rachel McAdams chick. It's, it's stupid. Hold on. We got no. We got to find some legit, some legit modern poetry. 
That makes me furious. <laughs> That's how we're going to end the episode. So, any. Why don't you read a custom-made poetry, a poem on the spot right now that's just in your head, Spencer? No. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, here, I'll give you a topic that you freestyle rap about. <laughs> Weeds. <laughs> Weeds that grow in the dirt, Spencer. Okay. All right, here's one by Louise Alexandra Erskins. It's very short. The sea. The sky. The way my heart feels when you are near there are some things too beautiful to be destroyed with understanding how do you feel spencer confused disoriented like so is he saying like like, because like the chick or whatever is there is so beautiful that he does it it makes it like okay not to understand things (laughs) is that what it is I, I don't know. Why are you asking me? Is that what you... Well, you read it. I thought maybe you might have picked up something else that I might have missed. No. Here, maybe this one actually rhymes. Maybe that'll help us <laughs> if we get a rhyming one. Yeah. Okay. It makes sense now. This one called me is called Find Me a Rover by Maggie Malloy. I, that should... Before we get into it, that should be a, a title for a kid's book. Find Me a Rover? Yeah. Could be about space. Could throw a twist on it. It could be like one of them rovers on Mars. Find me a rover to carry my weathered and weary feet home. Find me a tailor to stitch my freckled skin back to my bones. Oh, shit, son. Find me a captain, a rugged one, airy and steadfast and free. Find me a stiff drink and a swift wind, and I'll sail my heart back to thee. See, I like that. That's like a regular poem. Yeah. That rhymes. I get what they're saying. It's not like... Drunk in the wind, and an asparagus falls from the tree, yeah. hits me in the eye, and now I can't see. Like, what are you talking about? That doesn't make sense. All right, we'll read one more, Spencer. I need to find a real pretentious one. <laughs> it shouldn't be that hard. I, I, think I, I mean, it's poetry to begin with. <laughs> I think I found it. I feel so bad. Here's one that's famously published. I feel bad because I don't want to make fun of anybody's poetry because I don't get it. That's my problem. For anybody listening to this, it's me and Spencer's issue that we don't get the poetry. Yeah, yeah. It's not saying anything yeah. against the poet. They may actually be a genius and we're just stupid. That's very possible. I mean, that's the most likely outcome. That is probably very likely. I feel like it's, uh, like, uh, what is it? Not sarcasm. Um, it could also be like British humor. But, uh,. Satire. It's uh, like satire. You either get it or you don't. Yeah. I feel like poetry is kind of like modern poetry is like satire. If you don't get it, you're just never going to get yeah. it. It's like the guy in Mallrats staring at the thing, trying to see the, the schooner. Trying to see the boat. Yeah, he's trying to see the schooner, and he just can't, and he, he starts freaking out. Uh, you see it or you don't. But this one is called No Filter. You ready for this? Yes. I'll show you. I'll just show you how it's formed. And see, that's another thing about like. I, well, I try to. Yeah, this is, these are language flows, so I try to read it how it's. it's oh, is that why? Is that how you get the N D? Yeah, balls but, in the asshole. Yeah, you see how now you get it because that's yeah. how it's written. That's it's not me just being like a douche trying to sound <laughs> douchey. That it's how it's written with the spaces and everything. So that's another thing I hate about poetry. Like, you don't get it. <laughs> I don't. All right, this is the one we're gonna end on, folks. 
So you cool cats, just sit back, sip your Cavassier, smoke a cigar, and listen nice and calm-like. No filter. Wow. So dead. Few job. Wow. Bad hair. Soon die. No brand. Wow. Such life. No time. Wow. Please help. Much love. So real. Amaze. Wow. I would just like to say I did not mispronounce help. It's spelled help. And I also, uh, just everything was exactly read how it is. I did not embellish. That reminds me of, like, a ping pong game of words. Words are just being batted back and forth. It's like, I it's say a word, I say a word, you say a word. We just go in the fly until we get done with this poem. I don't, you know what, I, I, I can't. End things on that because it's just happened to pop up. I'm going to read the Gretchen Wieners poem. <laughs> I got to end on something better than the stupid wow poem. <laughs> I, just, I don't like it. I don't like that one. <laughs> what Rome is about. Why should Caesar get to stomp around like a giant while the rest of us try not to get smushed under his big feet? What's so great about Caesar? Hmm? Brutus is just as cute as Caesar. Brutus is just as smart as Caesar. People totally like Brutus, just as much as they like Caesar. And when did it become okay for one person to be the boss of everyone? Huh? Because that's totally not what Rome is about. We should just totally kill Caesar. <laughs> I like the build up at the end. Very, yeah, I think you channeled your inner teenage girl very well there. Teenage girl. That time of month. First ever. Drip, drip, drip. Mom, what's happening? <laughs> oh, uh, I feel like you should come up with a poem on the spot, Spencer. I'm gonna give you a topic. No. Gin. Nope. Whiskey. Vagines. No. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, I hope you learned something today because we did not. <laughs> no, we didn't. I learned that I I still don't. You like poetry? <laughs> not a big poetry fan. Not not modern poetry. Wow. When you just use the word "wow" as your break point, I don't like it. I, I always get a. I always get like, I hate whenever like, uh, you ever like read a, an author's like short story collection and they throw like a poem in there, and you're just like, ah. I read a lot of classic fiction that throws in fucking poems from like Shakespeare time or, or like 1400s Japan. Does not translate well. <laughs> Don't understand what you're saying, man. Surprisingly. Anyway, if you want to drop us a line and tell us how bad we did, you can hit us up at drunkenpenwriting.com, at drunkenpenwriting on Twitter, and drunkenpenwriting on Facebook and Instagram. And Instagram is where it's at, but we don't really keep up with it. We're trying, but what the fuck can you take we're, pictures of? We're man? working on it. It's new. We just I think we've, I think we've been doing good so far. I guess. If you say so. Thanks, man. That means a lot to me. Been doing better than if I would have done it. <laughs> just be pictures of fucking... <laughs> probably just be comic books. It would be nothing. <laughs> just be Spider-Man. Yeah, it probably would just be nothing. Anyway, cool cats and daddy-o's and lady-o's and whatever words that you have turkeys come up with. This was a groovy episode. We hope you dug it. Check us out for the next one where we talk about gangrene toes <laughs> i was i was uh we'll talk about this next episode but i was listening to an explorer or what i was reading about a dutch explorer who uh 
had to dig his way out of an avalanche with his own frozen feces. So stick around for the next episode if you want to hear that story. Goodbye. (laughs)